Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo, or at least one of them. It kind of depends, and probably some rando too. But no complaining, because this is free. Free! This is Beauty and the Beta bonus audio content. Hello and welcome to the show. Last week I was a guest on the Generational Gap podcast. The Generational Gap is a meeting of two minds, one a reactionary Gen Xer and the other a rational millennial. They are members of our listener community and we talked about the ongoing Patreon debacle, current politics and the president and a bunch of other stuff. So if you like what you hear, and I hope that you will, check out the Generational Gap podcast using the links in the description thanks for listening and enjoy we have with us as soon as the video comes on the one the only the incredible matt christensen how's <laughs> it going man? up to that intro but, uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for inviting me i just tested yeah, my but... camera before uh, i hopped in here and it it, it was being finicky so oh, yeah. i have a crappier no. webcam i can switch to if it doesn't pop up Oh, well, that's right. Robert uses a potato cam too, so looks I do, good. I do. Uh, it, it works for me. It works for me. But you know, I mean, you know, you look good as a buffering circle. I mean, for yeah. you know, I mean, for what it I is, it, it, yeah. it, it suits you. <laughs> it, it, it could suit you. It's not. It's not wearing flannel. <laughs> Actually, I'm not wearing flannel right now. Shut really? up! I wore flannel just for you. Well, I'm just wearing oh, a hoodie. Man. Oh, I so know everyone that, probably loves to hear. Um, I have this, yep. ha- this, Eric, this look web. At that. Yeah, this webcam is like much worse than my normal webcam, and I, you know the color makes me. Yeah, look you're looking much good. more really much more white right yeah. now. But if you don't mind, we can go with that. I could probably adjust the color, but you know. I mean, it's fine. No, it's hey, you. you can you can do pale. <laughs> I mean, pale's good. How you doing, I'm, Matt? I'm usually quite pale. I, I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. Uh, John's uh, always been a big fan of yours for quite some yeah. time, and I've dabbled in Matt Christensen for a little while. <laughs> sure. I've gotten a taste for the whole thing. I, I, uh, I, I've been kind of pleased with what I've seen. Um, so uh, uh, we're glad that you joined us here tonight. Now, uh, I'm going to flip it to John because John's got some – John's had some pressing questions as he wanted to ask you right off the bat. Um, so I'll turn it over to him. John, don't hurt him. Yeah, I'm sorry to start so heavy, but this is uh, probably the most pressing question of our time. Uh, hmm. Are traps gay? Yeah. Well, we've yeah. talked about it on our stream. Uh, I think as soon as there's, here's the qualifier. If if you know that there's a penis involved, and you're attracted after the fact, then yes. Yeah. So that's the camp I was always in. But, yeah. Uh, I tried to ask all of our guests that, so you're now added to that list. Yeah, but I think. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, please go ahead. No, I think that's like a pretty. I think that's a commonly held opinion. I would. I yeah. would say. Yeah, well, Count Dankula has a much more nuanced opinion. I think it's rather funny. Yeah, have you well, seen his? Maybe he should go to jail after all. Then, if that's, <laughs> that's the case, uh, what does he say? I actually don't know what he says. Uh, he was saying like it depends on who's pitching and who's catching. Whether or not it's gay? No, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, whether or not there's a contact with the penis, you know. Well, now that's no. that's how you lean, John. I, I I've no, heard no, you no. say this. That's not true. You've not heard <laughs> I, that. I will I will take things out of context <laughs> and throw it up in your face. I'm not afraid to. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but no, we do have some uh, some more serious questions as well. Uh, sure. If you want to take that, Robert? 
So, uh, Matt, uh, you know, I've looked, like I said, I've, I've looked at some of your videos and spent some time. So first off, before I, you know, go into any, t uh, any pressing questions, just give me an idea. Where do you see yourself on the spectrum? Where do you lie? Uh, as it talking were? the political spectrum? Yes. Or, yeah. Is there, is there any other spectrum? There's several. Well, there's the autism spectrum. I just right. wanted to clarify. Oh, there. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, if you consider yourself part of that, you know, I'd be interested to hear that too. He's high functioning if he does. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I don't, uh, I, I don't understand 4chan that well, so I don't think I'm that deep in the spectrum. Yeah. Right uh, there with you. And now they're going to come after me, I guess. But no, I love those. <laughs> I love, I love their weaponized, uh, their weaponized autism. As oh, they put it's it. amazing. Uh, where do I consider myself in the political spectrum? Well, it's it's been a it's been kind of a journey. I guess I've been the last going on three years now. I've been trying to assess the degree to which I might be moving versus the degree to which today's political left is moving. Cause I, I was a lifelong reliable democratic voter and I say lifelong meaning up until age like 28. So 10 years between age 18 and 28. Uh, and I think the answer is some of both I, I've taken like, the, the test that a lot of people refer to is that political compass test with the four quadrants, mm -hmm. the left, right economic and the authoritarian libertarian top bottom. Um, and I used to be squarely in the left libertarian quadrant, the bottom left. I've since taken it most recently, probably like two months ago, three months ago. And I'm more, I'm just inside the edge of the bottom right quadrant now. So certainly my views on mm -hmm. economics have been changing a little bit. And I think that makes sense because what's been the catalyst for me is, watching the creeping cultural authoritarianism of the left, something that I've always been wary of and seeing how a lot of that translates into uh, economics, into the way you interact in the market. And to the extent that I believe fundamentally in the freedom of the individual in terms of how you live and in terms of how we treat each other socially and culturally, my views on how economic exchanges and economic relationships, I think have moved a little bit more over to that frame of thought. That is to say, I'm much more inclined to favor markets uh, and favor as much personal freedom as we possibly can, as opposed to government interventionism. I know for sure I used to be, as far as politics is concerned, I used to believe a lot more in like government tax and spend, for example. I used to believe... There's certain areas of the economy that lack opportunity or, you know, certain even locales that lack opportunity. Perhaps the government could go in, provide opportunity where it doesn't exist. And people who want to work hard and, and you know, get get a leg up can do that if the government provides it where the market doesn't. I'm less faithful in that these days. But that's um, that's kind of a long winded answer to get you to the place where I guess I'd, I guess I'd call myself whatever this classical liberal libertarian camp is. I, I kind of shy away from the libertarian label because and it's the same reason I don't I'm not very active in libertarian online groups because it becomes uh, there's there's a lot of purity testing, I guess, like how yeah. libertarian are you? Um, <laughs> and it and it sort of yes. it sort of yeah. melts over into anarchism. And I'm not, although I am sympathetic to some of the principles of like ANCAPs, for example, mm -hmm. I do see proper roles for government, and so that that's where I'd split with with that type. And that's another we, problem I have actually with the libertarian label is because I do uh, give myself that label, but anytime you do, people automatically assume you're an ANCAP. Yeah, you know, and that's not necessarily the truth. And then if you talk to another libertarian, there is that purity test. You're right about that. 
Um, but yeah. it's actually a running meme where it's instead of the no true Scotsman fallacy, it's a no true libertarian fallacy. Yeah, exactly. So, as soon as you disagree, you know, all of a sudden you're a status bootlicker and, you know, yeah. not a real, you, you know, so it's, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. I, and I'm not a big fan of labels generally, you know, I try to yeah. stay true to principle and I can tell you about the principles I believe in, but as far as labeling myself, eh, less concerned with that. And I, I try to... Right. I try not to label other people as well by the same token. Although for comedy's sake, sometimes that goes on. Wow. Oh, oh sure. <laughs> yeah. But isn't it, because is, isn't it definitely becoming harder to label oneself really anymore? Because there's, I, I, for want of a better term, there's so much intersectionality now that hmm. you really can't put a label on yourself, even from a political standpoint, because, you know, I mean, hell take myself. I'm very much like you, you know, I'm older, but as I've gotten older, I've swung from that democratic, you know, mindset into a much more middle of the road or even leaning more right where, you know, because I've got children, I've got a home, I've got all of these things that I have to think about. And I, again, yeah. understand the roles the government should have in my life. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a dike, it's a back and forth. It really, you know, where do you stand and how do you label yourself anymore? Because, you know, hell, I still believe in certain things, legalize pot, but, you know, regulate insurance companies, you know, it's, you know, I want, I want some of both. I want my cake and have eat it too, but how can you? Um, and is there a label for that? You know, where do you go? Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, when I'm talking broad general politics with people i'm much more interested in understanding the principles that guide their decision making than i am in in their labels or anything like that and i think that that's one of my biggest frustrations with the left as i've been exiled from them or whatever the hell happened <laughs> is i have plenty of disagreements with people who um on issues of policy or issues of philosophy but they can articulate to me their kind of foundational principles and values that they use to make the judgments in their life with with today's left, it seems increasingly that every single policy position or judgment is based on convenience or based on something made up on the spot as opposed to a foundational principle that they stay consistent on. And that's why it's really frustrating to deal with with what's going on on the progressive left right now. Yeah. Well, how much of it do you think is this? cultural um authoritarianism as you say you know how much of that is impacting what our government is actually doing um hmm. the thoughts that they're having and the directions that they're going um you know all of these cries that we're hearing from these every cultural group out there is really muddying the waters and forcing the government in my opinion to sit around and worry about shit that doesn't matter when there are real issues that need to be solved yeah, there's that. I mean, as someone who cares about um, just being as as individually free as possible, the the interesting thing is that I don't really, you know, I know we the, the, we just uh, saw the new Congress come in, and there's some loonies. I've seen the clips of the stuff they're saying. This new Congress that's sitting down now, but generally speaking, I don't view a lot of the threats to my own personal liberty as being within the federal government. That said, I'd like to minimize federal government power. But when I think about what's going to affect my life tomorrow, as far as my ability to speak online and my ability to do what I do, it's really not government actors that I that I think about. You know, it's it's yeah. it's a lot of tech firms these days. It's it's a lot of just like social activists who want to bully people into line, that sort of stuff. Like the the battle of um, 
of of freedom versus authority or or libertarianism versus authoritarianism i think is much more of a cultural fight now than a political one right. and um and the battleground has shifted into like these i i guess technically private markets you know private places of business like youtube like facebook like twitter all, all that sort of thing well you know it, you know that uh that brings up you know you know it to, brings to mind for me patreon for example, mm -hmm. which you've recently, um, you know, discussed on your program, um, even going so far as to, you know, having your phone, talking about your phone call that you had, the transcript of that I have, um, you know, this is, this is our cultural warriors out there causing these issues. I mean, you know, uh, most of this stemmed from uh, ultimately one source, right? We can go back to the squirrel. This is the best I can refer to him as. <laughs> well, we don't know. He's definitely playing a part, but it's it's hard to pin down. Like, to what degree is it the mob, like the Tim Squirrel type guys? To what degree is it the ideological preferences of payment processors like PayPal, MasterCard, the rest? Is it exclusively one and not the other? Is it some type of mix? It's really hard to pin down. And even in that call with Jacqueline Hart, I, I tried to clarify, are you saying that you're making these decisions exclusively on your own behalf by your own volition? Or are you saying someone's pressuring you to do this? And she wouldn't really, I mean, she said definitively, we made the independent decision to ban Sargon, but then she'd go on and explain all these <laughs> external factors Right. That to me are irrelevant if you made your own independent decision to do it anyway. Then the external factors don't matter. You it know? seemed like it was more their decision to bend the knee. It was exclusively their decision to bend the knee. Yeah, kind of I mean, and that's trying not to say. Yeah, yeah, and I wish, like, for Patreon's sake, I can I can understand a situation when they sure. talked to Robert Spencer that tweet that's circulating now where they said, "Sorry, Robert Spencer, Mastercard made us ban you," basically. Mm -hmm. The implication in what they wrote in that tweet, they used the word unfortunately. The implication being that they didn't necessarily want to do this, but MasterCard made them. If Patreon came out and said, listen, there are these payment processor powers that be that say you're going to ban people off this platform or we'll cut you off, period. We got to abide by their rules in this instance, like in the Sargon case. However, we strongly oppose what they're doing and we're going to do what we can to make some kind of alternative here so that we can preserve uh, a place for creators to have a safe livelihood and for people to make free decisions about who they want to support or not. If they said something like that, people like me and perhaps you guys would be like, all right, I get it. I mean, this sucks for Sargon. I'm sad. I'm sad that he has to take the hit on this one, yeah. but I understand where Patreon's coming from and I'd be willing to work with them to fight back against this kind of stuff. They haven't said that. Instead, they did exactly what you described, which is, well, they came to us and um, we decided that they're exactly right. So it doesn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, so then my, I, I, I'm curious to know, do you think that uh, I do, do these entities, MasterCard, PayPal, and I'll just go ahead and lump them all into one category, the, the money misers, the banks, mm -hmm. are they that worried about what the, what cultural influence, you know, all of these cultural influences enough to tell someone like Patreon to pull, to deplatform people. Why would they give a shit? They That's... already have all the money. <laughs> right. All well, they're going to do the, is make less money. I mean, nothing else is going to change. Yeah, the, this is the thing that's fascinating to me is at some level that we have all of whether it's banks, whether it's Silicon Valley, social media companies, whatever, 
We have a lot of businesses in this country that have decided they care more about upholding an ideology than they do about making a buck, which is very bizarre and kind of undercuts a lot of my personal policy preferences about like, you know, baking the cake, for example. I don't think Patreon has to bake Sargon a cake necessarily, but when Sargon goes over to the next bakery, you don't get to go meddle in that bakery and say, no, you're not going to bake the cake either. That's not the way the system works. Uh, so why is it that we have apparently a whole series of businesses that care more about upholding their worldview than than making money? Maybe they, they care about it that much. But the other part of this story that I don't have any information or insight on but puzzles me is maybe they have all the money like you're describing. Maybe it is that just that they're so big and rich that they don't care about the X percent, the tiny fraction that Sargon or whoever represents. But at yeah. the end of the day, the investors do. <laughs> Patreon's got these venture capital firms bankrolling them. If you're YouTube or Facebook, you've got all your you know publicly traded investors. If I'm an investor in in these companies, I'm going to say you owe me the maximum return possible every right. quarter. What, do, do you think you're going to do that by banning people and pissing everyone off? Stop doing this. And we've not seen investors with any kind of negative reaction to this sort of thing, at least that I'm aware of. Yeah, I and that uh, that has been surprising to me as well. That really, there's you know even even somebody like PayPal not coming out and saying you know taking you know credit for this. You know if 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 Patreon is going to default to pointing the finger at somebody else for their mistakes, well, you know why doesn't somebody stand up and say you know whenever the NRA you know, uh, had some issues and all these companies were dropping in our NRA membership member discounts and this, and they mm -hmm. were not afraid to say it. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're dropping this. We, we, we don't want anything to do with it. Well, I don't understand why these companies aren't standing up and taking credit for it. You know, I, yeah. if they were actually behind it, they might have, they might have something to do with it. But the other fact that kind of blows a hole in the idea that PayPal or, or MasterCard are uniquely pressuring, patreon is the fact that like sargon still has a paypal account you know so if paypal was like no no paypal services for sargon presumably the first step would be banning his paypal account i can't recall Wait. if he said it specifically i think he says i think he said he has a mastercard too but I, I don't know if that's true or not let's assume he does but you would think that if these plat these payment processors are the driving force that they'd start with their own house first and say you're banned here and then we're going to chase you around a little bit more that's not the sequence of events so it doesn't necessarily make sense if the payment processors are the ones solely driving this well if 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 any of this if all of this together seems to me like the precipice of a very steep cliff hmm. like i'm starting to see more of this social and cultural awareness affecting businesses affecting you know even new media i mean you know this is not the first time this has happened we're seeing people being deplatformed from various uh, arenas based off this cultural influence and so my question is well, where does is there hope for new media to continue and grow and survive this cultural landslide that seems to be ready to dominate free speech. Ultimately. Yeah, I think there is. And I think you can put your faith in two things. One would be the market. The demand for this type of media is so high that people are going to find a way to consume it. If you guys are like me, 
you want to watch material like your show or maybe my show or anybody else. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to turn on CNN or MSNBC. <laughs> right. Maybe for something, maybe to see how they botched a story, maybe to laugh at their drunk New Year's coverage, but I don't want to yeah. consume it for intellectual purposes. You know what I mean? That's, that's not, that's not the role that I, that's not the role it plays in my life. So the, the, the hunger for this type of material is there regardless of how many obstacles get thrown up into it. And the other reason to have faith, I think is just human ingenuity. Uh, there, this is another classic example of whether it's government or whether it's business interest, trying to regulate stuff that people like things that people want to get, it's like you can throw up one obstacle, but someone creative is just going to figure out the shortcut around it or the way around it. It it always happens. And I think it's going to happen in this case. Does that mean that the present is going to be easy or maybe even the next year is going to be? I don't know. I'm prepared for a bumpy ride, man. Like I'm yeah. I'm prepared to hunker down and survive until a more stable home for stuff like this is established. But the demand is there. And I believe in human creativity, especially on the Internet, dude. It's like. Everybody who's all it takes is like one guy with a genius creative idea who can get in touch with. I mean, you you heard Ruben talking about it on his stream. What was it yesterday? I was listening in and it's like all the people emailing him with ideas that that apparently he's talking to today. Anyone can get in touch with anyone pretty easily. And all it takes is like the one guy who's got it figured out. Suddenly you've got a a whole you you can change everything at that point. So I do think I do think that's the greatest advantage of new media versus the legacy media is that anyone can get a hold of the, you know, the people that they watch, the content creators yeah. they watch yeah. and can give them, you know, feedback ideas or hold them accountable if they, you know, mess something up or they do something unethical. And that's know, one of the most, is. that's one of the most fun parts about doing Absolutely. this. I think you hear, you hear Blonde and I talk about it on our stream frequently and it's the fact that like, yeah, I mean, I enjoy doing this for for intellectual reasons mm-hmm. and for reasons that I hope are beneficial um, to society and all that. But it's also a community. Like our our little show is a place where people meet. You know what I mean? I've heard tons of stories yeah. of like friendships established, romantic relationships established through it. I'm personal friends with a lot of people that that listen to the show and know me through that. Of course, I met you know I met you through the show. Right. Uh, it's the great thing about this is it's like, I used to think internet friends were for nerds before I got into this (laughs) stuff, like people who didn't have developed social skills. But the reality is that you can easily find a lot of people with very specific interests, Mm -hmm. people who are, uh, people who are exactly like you, you know what I mean? And people who view the world exactly like you do. And I, 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 that's one aspect of doing this. I didn't expect that you'd be able to find like really meaningful friendships doing this. And I f- feel like such a, I don't know, like I, <laughs> I disproved my old self. Cause a lot of, if a lot, a lot of, if not all of the most meaning, meaningful relationships in my life now, outside of my parents and my direct family have sure. come to me through this, you know, how cool is that? That's really awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> so do you have any fears that, uh, even someone as large as YouTube might capitulate to this kind of pressure. I mean, that, I mean, I can't imagine it happening, but still, you know what I mean? (laughs) mean, Yeah. I mean, I, I, my whole strategy after the Patreon debacle 
in regards to finances, but even just regards in regards to an online presence is diversify. Like I'm not going to trust any one platform and I've got smaller video platforms that I post my stuff to. Granted, the numbers are minuscule compared to YouTube. Pretty much everybody's on YouTube. Right. But the point is when that day comes, which it could, it could come for any one of us individually, or it could come (laughs) for all of us collectively. You got to be prepared. Uh, But, but I would say, the same thing to that, that that I said previously, you know, that you can erase a platform, but that doesn't erase society's hunger for the material. It, right. To the extent right. there's demand, it will find a home. So I, I'm not that worried about it. My philosophy previously was more like, well, worry about that. You know, we'll worry about that, um, that problem when we get to it. Now I'm trying to be a little more proactive because I've seen how ridiculous this is. So yeah, basically anybody that comes to me, it's like, Hey, I've got a platform. I'm like, all right, I'll sign up. You know, the problem is now I have like a hundred links to, to <laughs> yeah. send to people instead of like one, but, but yeah, it's a it little makes a pretty big business card, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't have those either. You know? <laughs> well, once it, one, the, those are an old thing from way back in the day. Yeah. So. Well, or, or, you know, I, I like to give off this impression of like a duct tape production. That's the term I use frequently. <laughs> yeah. So I try to avoid anything that's like overly professional business cards, I think would be one such example. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But wholly, wholly appropriate. I would. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh you know, it. I, I love doing this as well. I think it's. I think it's a great medium. Um, but you know, it, you know, in light of these things that happen, especially as the voices are growing stronger in opposition to you know f- from both sides, and the f- impact is starting to have. Um, I would question when you know is there a point where social media such as this, and we can say fa- we can include Facebook, Instagram, all of these large platforms. Is there a point where it becomes big enough that it is no longer in it can be considered a private market and needs to be mm-hmm. regulated and overseen by the government to protect <laughs> freedom of speech for those of us who are creating our content? I think that's the million dollar question that this year is going to answer, to be honest. I, I, I don't I don't have this clearly thought out in my head. And it's interesting because I was just talking about this exact question earlier today. So I feel like I'm rehashing it and I have to <laughs> I have to find a specific answer, but I can't. Uh Generally speaking, I would like to see a private market solution to this sort of thing. I would like competition to solve this problem. That said, the infrastructure necessary to create like a YouTube competitor to process video on the scale necessary or the infrastructure necessary to create your your own payment processor, these are Herculean tasks. They're not as simple oh, absolutely. as making up, making like a neighborhood bakery. There is a difference. Uh, oh, yeah. And I understand that. You also have to think about the proper role of government. As I said, I'm not a person who believes there's no legitimate purpose for government to the extent that I believe in, believe in and want to uphold the free market. Perhaps there's a government role for interventionism in monopolies or other, um, other sort of measures that, that foster competition, foster a, a free market, um, discourage monopolistic or cartel behavior. And I think if we're not there already, there's evidence at least circumstantially to believe that's what's going on. It's like, am I mad at Jack Conti for banning Sargon? No, he can ban him for any stupid reason he wants. And the market should decide if Jack Conti is rewarded or punished for that sort of thing. But the deal is once Sargon goes to subscribe star, we all go with him, man. And subscribe star gets a chance. Instead, we've got this cartel saying, no, subscribe star will not be a thing too bad. Well, 
Right. At that point, we don't have the kind of competitive forces that we'd like to have. Is that a proper go- role for government to start to start telling people what to do? It's not the most insane role for government I've ever heard of, but I guess the one thing I'm hesitant about about that is like that is an additional power for government that can and will be used against you in the future, and that's the one thing that I'm wary about, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> Uh, Midget B, Midget B actually brings up a good point in the chat there uh, in for, about enforcing antitrust regulation. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you think that they've violated antitrust regulation? I, I that's that's above my pay grade, man. I can't <laughs> give you a lawyer's answer on that. I know. Yeah. I mean, I know that we've had. I, I I've heard references to breaking up monopolies, government breaking up monopolies in the past. Uh, I don't know. I do know. I'm sure this person's familiar with YouTuber law and him making the case to the FTC that that's what's going on. But I got to punt to the to guys like him who are doing the thorough research and have the legal background necessary to to answer that kind of question. Sure. Well, you know, I, and that's and that's where you know that's where I ride the fence because you know, and and uh, it was pointed out in your call with Patreon. Uh, I believe she referenced. She said that um, they were not a free market, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, when it's as it stands right now, all of these sites have a, t- a terms of service, privacy policies, the whole nine yards. They have their, they have their ducks in a row, as it were. And sad to say, but I don't care who it is; it's very subjective what you deem as breaking terms of service. And from a free market standpoint, as long as these companies qualify as free market, then they can enforce their terms of service how they want and deplatform whoever the hell they feel like. Yeah. Um, hiding behind we're not a free market is bullshit because you're making your own choices right now <laughs> in what you're doing. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was trying to get at with the question is like, I understand it's your platform. You're going to have rules. But generally speaking, what is your vision for Patreon? If I was running it, my vision would be to the maximum extent possible. And to me, that's basically the scope of the law. Yeah, we're going to have a platform in which it's a full menu for you. You come here, you look at the list of creators. You're like, I like that guy, that guy, that guy. I'm going to give them a buck a month, a month each and move on with my day. It's not my job as the websites, um, the management of the website to decide. No, no, no. The moral implications of you giving that guy with the wrong opinion a dollar are far too great to accept. That's what I was trying to get out of her is like, do you envision yourself as basically like, I don't know. Do you do you envision yourself as basically having a hands-off perspective or philosophy in that regard that we're going to have basically a place where people can select what they like and not get too involved or do you envision yourself as the babysitter or the kindergarten teacher holding my hand through Patreon telling me what type of ideas are good for me to pick or not? And that's why I was discouraged when she says, you know, we're not a free market. It's not necessarily about like the economy at large to me. It's about what is your philosophy about Patreon? Well, we're not a free market. Jacqueline Hart will tell you the sort of things that are permissible to support or not. And that's hey, the kind of thing ask. that, yeah, that makes guys like me or, or maybe you to, to just to leave off the platform. I, I'm not interested in your babysitting of me. Right. And I'm certainly not interested in your censorship. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. to be honest with you, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that we rely on is that lack of censorship and, you know, being free, you know, open to f- free creators you know that that want to say their piece i mean it's just one of those things i can't understand that urge you know it's like 
how many of the creators on Patreon do I want nothing to do with? Probably 99.9% are people making stuff that I actively oppose or that I just have no interest in. But do I have right. the urge to like lobby Patreon to make them stop? It's like, no, if I strongly disagree with them, perhaps I'll discuss why. And perhaps I'll try to convince people why their ideas are bad or something like that. I have no desire. I don't even care. Like communists out there, people, <laughs> you know, as long as you're not advocating violence or otherwise breaking the law, there's no such thing as an idea that I think you should be punished for having. It's right. kind of interesting. I've, I've entertained this concept in my head before in video and just throwing ideas around. Like, is there a such thing as an immoral idea, an immoral belief and I think that's kind of a question that's at the heart of a lot of this behavior. I, I don't really think there is. I think morality is more structured around the way you treat others. You know, you're entitled to your own thoughts and, and they're uniquely yours. Therefore, you can't abuse somebody else with your own thoughts as long as you're not calling for the harm of them. Well, but, and I, I, think, I think that's the problem, though, Matt. I mean, we, we are current, presently in a society, in a culture um, that is as soon as you voice that thought that is a precursor to action and yeah. it is a definitive guide to who you are as a person yeah even if it's said sarcastically even if it's taken out of context those define you now that is who you are i mean and it doesn't matter how far back they want to go they will pull it out and they'll say this is you and then and then to the point you're making for a lot of people if not everyone there is no path to redemption i was astounded by some of the things she wow, said about that, that sort of thing when she said like <laughs> well milo yiannopoulos didn't disavow the proud boys good enough sargon didn't apologize good enough i didn't have a lot of time i did ask her i didn't have time to really press on this but it's like you say they didn't disavow or apologize good enough Tell me what it would look like for a good enough disavowal or a good sure enough you, apology. I'm pretty sure you did ask her that. She just kind of evaded. Yeah, yeah I'm well, saying like I couldn't, I couldn't pin her on these you things. You, you, know? you couldn't right. press her on it, yeah. Well, you know, in looking at what she said about Sargon, though, I, I distinctly understood it to say if he had come to us and groveled, I don't give a shit if he apologizes to anybody he offended, but if he had come to us groveling, that mm. might have done something for him. You know, and, and which, it's like, which well, is weird because you weren't yeah. offended. <laughs> yeah, supposedly you're not offended. And also the question that was asked to her was they were asking for evidence that it wasn't hate speech, which is just a it weird was, thing yeah, to ask for. But prove a negative. how is the apology evidence? You didn't ask for an apology. What you asked for is evidence that it's not hate speech, not acknowledgement that Patreon is correct. That doesn't even make sense. It was just it was totally twisted. I mean, that's the frustration is like, yeah, you know, have whatever dumb rules you want. It's that's not what actually bothers me about Patreon. Make up whatever stupid rules you want. It's your platform, dude. Just mm -hmm. tell me what the rules are so that I can decide if I want to operate within it or not. She tells me throughout this conversation, everything is subjective. Everything is off yeah. the cuff. Everything is case by case, individual judgment. <laughs> and but the most bizarre thing about it is, and I wish that I would, you know, I wish people could hear the tone in her voice and stuff. Cause it's not that she was rude. She was actually very nice and respectful and, sure. and the conversation was civil. But if you could hear the tone in her voice, she's saying these things convinced that they're good. Like, isn't it great that we have just subjective terms made up on the fly that will apply to you individually if we feel like it or not. And I'm, and I wasn't trying to be condescending to her. I, I, I was asking her several times, do you understand the implications of what you're saying? That's I'm not trying to rip her, but it's like it's it, it seemed apparent to me like you haven't thought this 
a, a couple steps ahead. You haven't thought about yeah. this standard and what the precedent that you're setting for for future um, for future outcomes. Well, she was politicking you the whole time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's really all I got from it. I was like yeah. tons okay, of non-answers and not, you know, things like that. Uh, have they actually responded to uh, no. you releasing? No, Abs- nothing? absolutely not. <laughs> That's uh, great. It's and, still on YouTube, so apparently not. <laughs> it's, it's probably the best move on their part. Well, honestly. any answer they yeah. gave would just be damning either way. Yeah, and I I can't talk about some of the specifics, but that's the other reason. Like, I can't share a recording too because without their permission, that would violate YouTube TOS. So I want to make sure I'm square within YouTube TOS above all because I don't want that information deleted by Google and or YouTube. Um, and then as far as like legal issues, you know, I I, again, I, I I will stay pretty mum on the topic, but my thinking generally is like. If you want to take a, if you want to make a legal claim against me, if there's a case to be made, freaking go for it, dude. Like you want, it would be the stupidest PR move you could ever do ever. So I think what they did is maybe they consulted with some people. It's either one that they don't have a case they can make or two, they've decided it would be way too costly to pursue it. And I think they're right in that assessment. Mm -hmm. The. But and they've decided just to say nothing to me. They haven't decided to ban my account, but I'm leaving this month anyway. So they probably just don't care because it'd be right. if they know that I'm leaving because we know Jacqueline Hart's been tuning into my <laughs> material per the conversation. If they know that I'm leaving, yeah. it'd be so foolish to ban me because then they take a bunch of egg on their face unnecessarily because I'd be out <laughs> the door anyway in a few weeks' right. time. So, uh, so I think I think they're just gonna let it let it be is my expectation. If they want to fight over it, I'm confident I'd be able to, to raise some money and, you know, hire a good defense. So I'm not that worried about it. I mean, you would definitely have support, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, uh, the other, the other interesting nugget, uh, we had somebody call in on Wednesday night about this and I, I looked at it. It's not clear, but uh, 1791L made a video talking about his discussion with Jacqueline Hart, I believe, or at least someone from Patreon. Mm-hmm. And he said uh, that, I forget exactly the way he put it, but there's an implication that Patreon was extra clear with him not to record or release a transcript <laughs> about, not release a transcript. Yeah, about that conversation. So it seems to me like they... <clears throat> they may have known. They've taken some notes about what happened, <laughs> but... It's like, yeah. I, I, and I understand some people have some ethical disputes with the, the course of action I took in this case. Granted, it's never my, first off, as a technical matter, I never lied, but it's never my, yeah. it's never my choice to deceive. And, and I can acknowledge there's some slight deception in this case. But, mm-hmm. but as, as I'll always say, and I've had several email, emailers remind me, the truth is the highest value to pursue above all right. else. And this Absolutely. information is extremely relevant to all of us as consumers, not just as creators, but as consumers. And I'm both on Patreon. I support people on Patreon and I create mm-hmm. on Patreon. And I think the question we all have to ask is, as long as there's not personal private information being shared, what possibly would they want to tell me that they refuse to tell the people right. who support me on Patreon? That's nonsense. Right. And, and, and that's, and that's the most telling thing that I can take away from that entire conversation is the lack of desire for transparency yeah. over this issue. And, and that's the saddest, it's just the saddest to me. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, I, we don't I, want anybody to know what I'm saying to you. <laughs> it was right. my initial request. Yes. 
because they reached out to me. They reached out to me, but my initial response was, yes, let's do this, and please, let's stream it. And it's not like some chest-pounding thing on my part, like, oh, look how cool I am, let's stream it or something. It's like, you you do have some explaining to do for me if I'm going to stay on this platform, but you also got explaining to do to people who like to support my stuff. Right. And I don't like to have this relationship where you and I exchange secrets, but they can't know about it. That's <laughs> yeah. it's like you got Jacqueline, you got to understand and you got to expect I'm loyal to my audience, particularly those who are parting with money to support me, especially not yeah. loyal to you. You're replaceable. You have no, you have yeah. nothing important in this relationship other than being a middleman. Other than that, you're gone. Right. So and definitely, it's, it, as someone who was supporting Sargon as well, you know, I had to hear it through uh, some of his, uh, you know, some of his friends. Yeah, it's so dumb. His Patreon had got deleted, and so yeah. like I felt like I was entitled to an explanation as well, just yeah. as a, uh, you know, someone who was supporting him. You and, would and, think uh, so. Yeah. Company company closed down. We've locked the doors. Go home. No shift today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right, really how exactly. it works. These you days. would expect the same thing from like your cable subscription if they're like. There's always some kind of notification, even if it's like, well, we're changing up the channel list or also yeah. we're bankrupt. So buy like they're going to tell you, <laughs> you know, a notification, you right? give them money every month. So they have the common decency to say we've had to make changes. Maybe we'll give you some reasons. Maybe not. But here's at least notification of the changes and you can assess for yourself. You'd like to stick around or not. Nope, not even that. They just yeah. hit the delete key all the while they have the insanity to tell us that they're so personal and they consult everyone and give them appeals and all this consideration. Yeah. No, it was literally somebody at Patreon who's like, nope, screw this, delete. That's well, the way it went down. From what, I heard, from what yeah. I heard, they genuinely care about the creators. Which of course. Which so special about Patreon. I, I was assured. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really get the sense at all from that conversation if, that they gave a shit whether you say or not. So yeah. that's, No, and actually, really I didn't either. I didn't either. I never got the impression that I that that um, that my presence there was valued. And I don't want to make it sound like it's all one sided, because as I've said on our stream too, like the value that Patreon contributed to my life is insanely huge. It changed my life. I actually I feel the same way about Twitter as I do about Patreon. I love both of those platforms. I think they're awesome. I hate the political policing and meddling. But I think as concepts, they're awesome. And Patreon changed my life entirely. And it's like we, Jacqueline's new there, but to the extent she represents the company, you and I had a fantastic relationship in which we both um, made each other's lives significantly better. You know what I mean? Financially and otherwise. And now it's like, you're, you're not even going to give me the common decency of like notification and consultation. I, I don't. You're telling me that you might delete my income on a moment's notice and then expecting me to stay around because you supposedly care about me. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it sucks because I do care about Patreon. I don't think they actually care about me. And I think the further evidence, it's not just me, it's creators in general, further evidenced by Jack Conti's commentary in the New York Times where he just threw everyone under the bus. Oh, they only care about this because they're mad that we take a 5% cut or some yeah, such what? nonsense. That's that not why anybody cares. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, fees, fees. It's all fees. I mean, <laughs> anyone anyone who believes that though just doesn't know what's going on, and I think that's kind of what he was going for. Yeah, it seems yeah. so because that New York Times piece got fundamental uh, pieces of the fact pattern wrong. Like they, Jacqueline Hart is quoted in there as saying, "You can't say these words on our platform." Well, one, they weren't said on your platform, and mm -hmm. two, that contradicts everything you've said previously about context being key. If you can't say these words, then context is irrelevant, 
and you have totally undercut the case you've been making elsewhere. But the New York Times seems more interested in like making a pro-Patreon case to the general public who's not really keen on what this is and right. will generally view it as a case of like, it was a racist and they don't want to support him financially. Right, which I mean, who's not going to yeah. get behind that? You know, yeah. so that's kind of the angle they're well, going. Right. That's what the fake news does for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You got to love it. So, Matt, I know that we don't have you for much longer. So, I uh, I have one other question for you. And, uh, sure. you know, because I, I got I to get your stance on this because I'm always left a little curious after I watch your shows. Hmm. Um, and it's about the orange man. So, <laughs> okay. So, uh, how do you see him as a person, uh, excuse me, as a president versus as a person? And as follow up, hmm. is he an embarrassment to the rest of the world, making us an embarrassment to the rest of the world? <laughs> wow, that seems like a little bit of a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, no, um, at full disclosure, I voted for him in 2016, surprising even myself. And I voted for him in the primaries mostly as a joke because I couldn't get behind Hillary. But I mostly wanted to I wanted to see the debates like I'm voting for the lols. I remember saying at the time I'm voting for the lols. And as the general election came around, you know, I voted for him um, specifically because of the middle finger to the creeping authoritarianism culturally of the left, but also because the alternative in Hillary Clinton was just not acceptable to me. So I've never been like rah, rah, Trump guy. I'm not your big MAGA hat wearer. I'm not always Trump. I try to be, I try to call balls and strikes with him. And I try to be fair about what I think he does well and what he doesn't. Um, I've, you know, generally speaking, if the, if the election were held again today, I'd vote for him again. But the question is how much of that is an endorsement of him versus me considering the alternative to be unacceptable. I'm available to, People like the Libertarian Party, who are probably more aligned with my views, can't seem to get any, you know, any real political <laughs> power going. Yeah. Um, the specific like disappointments on the president's part that have really bugged me, um, like the bump stock ban stuff, really bothers me. Not just as a proponent of gun rights, but specifically the way it was handled through this executive order and sort of redefining law. Even if you're not a gun person, I would hope that that we could agree on the idea that. The president can't just redefine legal definitions in federal law and ban people's property. The other component of this, of course, is that people who legally owned them are expected to surrender or destroy them without compensation. The precedent that yeah. the government is going to force you to destroy or surrender your property at your own cost. You just eat the cost. What you had yesterday that was legal is now illegal today. So deal with it. Not a big fan of that. Uh, as far as how he behaves like just his demeanor, I actually, I mean, don't get me wrong. He has some face melting cringe, oh, but yeah. that's kind of my appreciation of him too. I, I'm one of the people who does appreciate that he just kind of shoots from the hip and, and mm -hmm. doesn't, doesn't give a rat's ass about political correctness. So I, I view that sort of bull in a China shop mentality as a necessary correction to the politically correct authoritarians. I mean, I'm just giving you a long, a long winded answer on how it's really a mixed bag for me. I think, Policy wise, you know, I'm probably, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 60, 70% with him. Uh, right. And then in terms of like culturally, like I, I enjoy him culturally more than I enjoy him politically at this point, I think I'd probably say. But is he good for the country in that sense is, hmm. is ultimately, I mean, you know, to me, he embarrasses me. 
<laughs> when when I know that the rest of the world is looking at us because I see us as nothing, he might as well take his shirt off and go ride a fucking horse through the mountains uh, <laughs> like his boyfriend does. You know, I mean, oh, we're Putin. We're Putin name dropping now. <laughs> yeah. I, I drop uh, no names. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Putin reference implied Putin references. Yes. You can you can take your implications. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I guess that would speak to the fundamental question of. Because because does the president say things that are false? Yes. Does he have face melting cringe? Yes. I'm not going to deny that sort of thing. I think the question that a lot of people ask myself included is, would you have a person who would you rather have a person who just puts that all out on the table? Or would you rather have a person who has some of the same faults? Maybe not to the same degree. Maybe there's scale here. I don't know. But has a lot of the same faults and, you know, hides it behind a very professional uh, presentation or demeanor. I think there's a case to be made on both sides. I, I, I'm with you insofar as like sometimes he just says things that are really silly, really ill-advised. And in, I, I guess I'd use the word embarrassing, but the way I feel about it is more like embarrassing of like your dad who just says stuff <laughs> and doesn't really get it. Yeah, like just like, oh, God, dad, stop. It's kind of the way I feel about him. It's like for the most part, I actually do think he has the right ideas at heart. He just... He says stuff in a really stupid, silly way sometimes. Yeah. And for me, that's more of an acceptable compromise than a guy who says stuff that I absolutely hate in a very professional manner. Right. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess uh, the vast majority of the country has a nuanced view like what we're describing here. I think we both have some some of that. Like the 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 people who are like you know, never Trump, everything he does is evil by nature to the extent they're willing to contradict their own principles just because like their only principle is Trump is bad. Right. Okay. Those people. And then the, the, on the other side of it, the MAGA hat people who their only principle is God, Emperor Trump, everything he does <laughs> turns to gold. That, yeah. I mean, that's like such a fringe, uh, two fringe wings of, of the country. It's probably like maybe 10% of the country total is in either of those groups. So I, you know, I hope, I hope, I hope cooler heads prevail. I think we get a false impression from media about, yeah, about how much people hate Trump or how much people love Trump. You know, it's like most people I talk to have some sort of opinion like we're describing. Yeah, I think most of my uh, my disgruntlement with him, and I've, you know, I've talked with John about this. You know, I'm much like you. Yeah, he does some decent things with policy. But mm -hmm. I was raised cross gener uh, generationally, so by my grandparents as opposed to my parents. So, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm 50 years old, so they were in their 70s, et cetera. So they come from a time where, you know, I mean, there were certain values and expectations and standards in this country, and yeah. you know, it can go into a whole discussion about the misogyny and blah 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 blah. But we had values and standards that we we tried to present. To ourselves and to the world and i i think we've you know even you know it's not just trump but over the last 30 years we've moved away from those and he is just like the final kick taking us out of that value system that we used to hold so strongly and it's interesting that the degree to which he has deviated from i guess standards of decorum or or professionality or however you want to however you want to describe it has made him basically Teflon has made him like impervious to criticisms of character and stuff. Mm -hmm. And and I talk about it on our stream all the time. It's like, Oh, new information that Trump was like, you know, that Trump was a philanderer or Trump like <laughs> cheated on his wife or Trump did this or Trump did that. And they're, they're like personal matters that are ethically suspect or just like 
you know, dirty or gross or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I mean, throw it on the pile, dude. Like, I just don't care. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's funny, like an accusation of infidelity with your wife matters when it's someone like Mitt Romney, like you'd be shocked. Yeah. But when it's Trump, it's like, yeah, I know. I, I, I didn't care when I voted originally. (laughs) It's, um, I don't know what the implications of that are. It's like, is it good that I've come to accept that? Maybe, maybe not. I guess the thing I keep returning to, like I was saying earlier is, I just want to be clear on the terms. And for the most part, I think Trump is a, a pretty straight shooter with the terms of who he is and what he wants, mostly. Granted, he he does some deceptive things or says contradictory things from time to time. But I don't think for the most part that he's up there doing some like dog and pony show trying to trick people. I think that's the real guy saying things he he really believes. And <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> we, well, I sometimes <laughs> a, a lot of the time in my judgment, I think the judgment of a lot of people I would prefer that to someone who I believe to be acting with deceptive intent. Someone I believe to be trying to, um, I don't know, trying to Hillary fool what? you. Trying to, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not name dropping <laughs> exactly. it, but someone I believe is acting with uh, a lot of things hidden behind his or her back. Let's put it that way. Sure. Okay. I can, I, I guess I can kind of get behind that. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I just want him called out on his shit. I just want, I just want the real shit. If 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 he's corrupt, I want to know. You know, I understand that we're spending a lot of money on it, but you know, I just want that out of the way. But it's coming, man. I don't know. That Mueller report yeah. is coming. Well, yeah, I just... you saw that they got uh, it got extended another six oh, months. God, I, yeah. I heard I heard the expectation was March. The last I the last I heard. Yeah, on the I, radio. Think I just saw something today that was saying that they got extended. Yeah, uh, the, six months. I know the, that's the, the grand jury, <laughs> but they only get a six. They can only have one six month extension, so they can extend it for six months uh, in the interest in, in the public interest. If public yeah. interest is high enough yeah. which apparently it is i mean um, it's gonna be a know. good timing for right in the middle of the you know the next campaign yeah you know, the next election season so. well i'm excited for this one man now that warren's oh, yeah. in and you know the democrats are going to keep piling on so uh oh yeah I'm, well, fa- I'm fascinated to hear those debates if she ends up being the nominee but i don't yeah. think she will be i actually well, don't think else, she's gonna get picked who else do you think uh can have a chance or uh if i was gonna up? predict who's gonna run like kamala harris is gonna run booker's gonna run cory booker yeah um outside chance bernie but i doubt it i am I'm, I'm the 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 pick they want is biden i'm not convinced he's even going to do it but maybe no um god man when i start thinking about the field it's like well maybe warren does actually have a chance because their, their field is <laughs> yeah. so he's Boring. just so lacking we were talking about it on the stream the other night even their polling shows like mm-hmm. the, the, their number one polling preference is somebody new and i i'm I think that's politically smart for them. I don't think they should pick people who are pretty unpopular in their establishment, but somebody new has to be a person. It can't be a hypothetical. And I don't know who, who that is. Well, who I mean, I, I'm, I'm expecting there's going to be somewhere between 15 and 25 uh, Democrats mm. in, uh, up for the primary. I'm just, Which they're going to throw up. every bit of shit they can at the wall and hope something yeah. sticks. Which is kind <laughs> yeah. of why the Republican primary in 2016 ended up being somewhat of a clown show. I loved every bit of it. I loved oh, Trump yeah. with oh, the, like, this great. guy's a con artist and this guy's a liar or whatever he said. Or choke artist. Yeah. This guy's a choke artist <laughs> choke and this guy's artist, a liar. Yes. The, this, the theater was great, but it, but in terms of like what it meant for the party and what it meant for the country i'm not sure it was i'm not sure it was beneficial to have like 27 people involved at the start you know yeah. well do you do you think now that uh trump's campaign and the rnc he has melded them together as one 
hmm. to, you know, they're not going to have separate actions. Do you think that's going to impede any Republican uh, candidates from trying to t- <sighs> usurp him? I think Trump, Trump, I think any any candidate, whether it be like a Romney type or uh, I don't know, like any any of these, like the Jeff Flake types, the sort of never Trump wing of the party. I don't think they have any shot of successfully primarying the president. I think they'd be politically foolish to do so. But I do think both the Republicans and the Democrats have important fractures to confront one on the Republican side. There are a lot of people who are are conservative and still have the same dislike for the president that you do on on grounds of character or, or otherwise. And I think, you know, the question of how successfully Trump can unify the party and motivate them to get out and vote for him again remains to be seen. On the Democratic side, <laughs> they have a real problem between like these these skeletons of their establishment, the Nancy Pelosi's of the world who probably died 10 years ago and have been reanimated, <laughs> that sort of thing versus like the young wave that they have with like the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez types who in my estimate, I mean, honestly, I believe these people to be teetering on communists in terms of their economic worldview. And I don't think the old guard of the party is necessarily down with how far they want to go in their economic plans. And I don't think the ultra progressive youth are really thrilled about the old guard either. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to rip on the Democrats necessarily. I think both of these parties have serious rifts they have to address and whoever rises to that challenge the best in 2016 might come out the winner. And I think Trump and the Republicans are going to have to be serious because you have to acknowledge yes, you know, Trump won big in the electoral college and all this, Yeah. The reality is he benefited from very low Hillary enthusiasm. You get somebody who's like 2% more charismatic, all of a sudden Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, they flip and you've got a Democratic president. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't roll into this super confidently from the Republican perspective either. Right. So if if Dwayne Johnson does announce a bid for 2020, he may have the hoospot to, to, to override Trump. Right. <laughs> I kind of hope they pick a celebrity like pick Oprah, pick. Uh, I mean, Rosie O'Donnell would be the dream. Oh, Trump that would be a oh, those, those debates, those debates would be absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'd be interesting to see the Democrats try the similar strategy. All right. You picked like a brash celebrity. We're going to do it, too. And I mean. Why not at this point? Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna defend what. I'm not gonna say everything I've just said in defense of Trump and then act like the Democrats would be foolish and wrong to do it themselves. I don't know if yeah, it worked, sure. but go for it. I mean, they need something to shake up that party. Yeah. So yeah. figure it. Figure yeah, it out. Okay. Try something new. You can't just keep wheeling out Hillary, you know, and hoping she wins this time. <laughs> they, I can't imagine they'll do it, but it's like no, there's uh, no way. Hillary 2020. Are you really sure? You know, that's going to be her <laughs> well, campaign slogan. They've already well, they've already started trying to destroy Bernie, so I'm seeing that they're like, yeah, they're he got me too sure and they, stuff. Yes, he's uh, yeah. he's there. The DNC is ready to get him out of the picture early, so they don't have to do it in the middle of the primary. Yeah, and just yeah. And screw it, screw up that way. Yeah, but uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, I, I expect to see some some like some celebrity faces in the mix. I won't yeah. be surprised one way or the other because i mean he's opened a wide door for that god knows i hope it's not kanye throwing his hat in the ring but i'm no, seeing him as the next vp if trump yeah. goes 2020 yeah, yeah we, we are like three presidents away from president camacho you know <laughs> is that the guy from uh, idiocracy idiocracy yeah, idiocracy, yeah. yeah. wasn't his yeah. name like mountain dew something or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. Um, that was yeah. 
Mountain that movie was a uh, forward-thinking. It was like style. Gatorade for all the water. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That was that was some amazing stuff. And I, yeah. I, I've said too many times that I think we're walking that way every day. We're getting closer, and we're getting closer. It's yeah. Just... <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, I was I was gonna chime in, but I I've got a dinner date that I got to get to, so I got to. Oh yeah. So hop off, but I've enjoyed the conversation, guys. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks for coming on. Matt, we stuck a bunch of links down in the description that refer sure. to you so that people know where you're at. We cool. really appreciate you coming on here tonight. Yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate the support for my show and, and my, my stuff and uh, and the time you guys are giving me. So so thanks for all that. Yeah, all right. absolutely. Well, thanks for stopping by, Matt. And you have yourself a good night and enjoy your dinner date. You as well. Thank you. Well, all enjoy right. your night. I don't know if you have a dinner <laughs> date or not, but enjoy well, your Well, John evening. and I, with John and I, it's always a day. Sure. That's right. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> all right, see you, man. Good night. <laughs>